Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. This morning on Resurrection Sunday, we are kicking off a, uh, a new series, and uh, we're kicking the series. We're going to be looking at it over the next six weeks, this idea of the good fight. Uh, Paul tells us, tells Timothy, um, and, and then therefore us, uh, to fight the good fight of faith. And our faith is rooted in what we're celebrating right now. Our faith is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, we looked last week at, at, that Paul said that if Jesus wasn't raised, our faith, our hope is futile. It's pointless. But because it's, it's happened, because it historically took place, because Jesus is alive, then we have, then we have hope and we can fight the good fight of faith. And uh, all of us in this room have on some level been in some sort of a fight. Maybe not a straight up, you know, scrap, you know, and some of you have, you know, uh, we won't talk about that. Um, and so, um, but uh, we've, been in, uh, we've been in fights, you know, we've been in argument fights. Um, we, we've, we've been in physical, like health fights, like fighting for our health. We've been in financial fights. Um, we've been in all sorts of fights. And here's the truth. The only fight you ever look back on and call a good fight is the fight you won. Those are the fights you call a good fight is the fights you won, the fights that you, uh, that you did not come out as the victor. Then those are not the fights that you, that you call good. Those aren't the fights you wanna, that you want to go and you want to talk about. Now, there's a, a, a story that um, I had to be told about my own life because it predated my memory. But it was told so many times, um, and, uh, and so it, 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 followed, it followed me forward. Um, but when I, apparently when I was a little guy in uh, like uh, K-4 age, um, I had, we'd gone to see my great-grandfather on their farm in La Mesa, Texas, um, and my great-grandfather um, was a guy who actually came to La Mesa at like two or three years old in a covered wagon. Um, they did the old school, settled the land there, lived in a dugout, um, which if you don't know what a dugout is, you literally dig a hole in the ground, put a tarp over it, and, and that's your house until you actually build your house. And good thing there's giant forests all around La Mesa. No, I'm kidding. And so I don't know where they got the lumber to build a house. And so out of nowhere is La Mesa. Um, but he lived in a dugout. And so, but I mean, had a life that was scrappy. And, you know, back in the day, you know, you'd get in some fights. And so apparently, um, you know, I had got into a fight um, at, uh, at school. And so uh, I had gone and told my great-grandfather about this fight. And so I tell him about it and tell him, you know, how I was just, you know, giving it this and giving it that and doing all these different things. And, and I end up the winner. And my, my great-grandfather's just loving it. He loved boxing. He loved to watch all that and enjoyed a good fight. And so finally at the end of this story, he says, uh, he says all right, Brandon, uh, so, so how big a boy was he? And so a four-year-old me goes, oh, peepers, he's about right here. 
and he just cackles because he's expecting me to, you know, to, the way I described this fight, that it was I just took out this, you know, this sixth grade kid at four years old, you know, this, this big giant. And apparently, um, apparently maybe I was a four-year-old bully and, and uh, I, I took out the little one. But here's the, here's the problem is we tend to gravitate towards fights we're confident we can win and we avoid fights we don't feel like we can handle. And we'll find ourselves running from the big things in life and gravitating towards some of the things that maybe doesn't deserve our attention if we don't watch things. And so the good fight is the fight we know that we can, the, the fight that we'll, that we'll win, but we understand that when it comes to our, our life in Christ and righteousness, we weren't facing a good fight. We weren't facing a bad fight. We were facing an impossible fight. We're facing an absolute impossible fight because we were dead, as we'll see in our transgressions. We were dead in our trespasses. The truth is, is that the resurrection of Jesus doesn't just signal his resurrection. It signals our all of our resurrection in Christ, the resurrection of our hope, the resurrection of our spiritual life, the resurrection of everything. And so therefore, because Jesus fought the good fight, we can step into that fight. So go ahead, open your bulletin, open your notes, and let's track along with this idea that no one has ever fought for you like Jesus. Nobody has. Nobody's ever fought for you like Jesus. And I hope in your life you've had some people go to bat for you, that you've had some people fight for you. We've all needed some advocates at times. We've all needed somebody to come alongside of us and, and help us out in situations. But here's the thing, that if you've ever had somebody fight for you, you have somebody come along and, and help you out in life, here's more than likely the odds are, whoever that was, you were on good terms with them. You were in a good place in relationally with that person. If you found yourself in a place of needing some help, the, the, the phone call you made, the text you sent was to someone that you felt like you were on at least decent terms with. Here's the truth is that, that when we look at this idea of Jesus winning the fight for us and going to battle for us, it is that he does it from the mind-blowing aspect of the fact that he fought for us when we didn't care at all about him. Let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. You want to know how much God loves you? This is it. You want to know that God demonstrates, he shows it, he, he lets everybody see it. God demonstrates his love for us in this and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we didn't care, while we didn't, weren't trying to, to honor God, connect with God, it's in that spot that Christ died for us since we have now been justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? That is how God demonstrated, is that while we didn't care about him, 
he cared for us. While we were actually adversaries with God, opponents to God, he was not fighting with us, he was fighting for us. It completely changes the dynamic. One of my favorite stories on this happened to, uh, a number of years ago. If you've been around Celebration Church, you know it. And, uh, but um, when uh, Carson, who's about to get married, oh my gosh, next month, um, was uh, six years old, um, we were there in our, our kitchen, and uh, the boys had uh, Nerf swords. Nerf, Nerf swords was a big deal. And, and, you know, they're stiff enough. I mean, they're Nerf, but they're not like jelly or something. I mean, they're, they're stiff enough to be a sword and to have some little sword fights. And so, uh, you know, Carson had a Nerf sword. I had a Nerf sword. And so we're just going at it. We're just sword fighting. Well, I was, you know, full-grown man, 35 years old at the time, um, and Carson, a little, little six-year-old. And so as we're going at it, I come at it a little too hard, and I smack him and catch him across the shoulder and the back, and it stung. And all of a sudden, I smack him, and it, it stung, and he's crying. And so, man, and I feel terrible um, because I know there's an advocate in the house, and I may be a foot taller than her, um, but I do not want to have to deal with that advocate. That would not be a good fight. A good fight's the one you can win. That one I'm not going to win. And so I'm like, you know, that thing, shh, 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 oh, don't, don't cry. Don't tell your mother. Don't tell your mother. And, um, and so, uh, but immediately, and I don't know why. I'm a minister. I know better. But this justice thing rose up within me. And I immediately sit there and put my sword down. He still had his sword in his hand. And I was like, okay, we'll just, we'll just square it up. So I'm just, you just go ahead and just, you just smack me, okay? Just go ahead and haul off and just hit me as hard as you can. He's six with a Nerf sword. But here's what's sad. With all that in mind, man, I go ahead and brace for it. I'm like, all right, Carson, bring it. And I'm just ready. I don't know for what. And so I just like, Carson, bring it. And he's sitting there and he has the sword in his hand. He's been the victim. He's been attacked. He's been hurt. And he now has clear passage. No thing to just wail off and hit dad as hard as he can. It is free pass. And he looks at that sword and he looks at me and he says, this is what I'm bringing and he walks up, and he just gives me a big hug and just hugs me so much. And I'm just like, yes, that's right. That's right. That's it. That is the heart of God. That's the heart of God. That is exactly this scripture lived out that while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies to God, while we were opponents to God, while we were the ones who created the pain, while we were the ones who needed the judgment, God said, I could, I have the right to come in and, and to bring wrath, but no, this is what I'm bringing. And he brought reconciliation. He brought love. He brought embrace. And that is what is the life of of the resurrection. That's the story of the cross. You want to know how much God loves you? If you think God's mad at you, if you think he's upset with you, then look at the cross. Because he's like, no, I would rather go, I would rather deal with it here than have it get in the way of my relationship with you. God is not mad at you. 
Maybe you showed up today at church because somebody sweet loves you or that loves you and invited you here. And maybe they gave you one of those uh, coffee mugs and, and you feel, feel obligated and you are a little feel a little awkward this morning. And I don't know quite what I'm doing in church, and, but I'm here to tell you, you're here with a mission. You're here with a purpose, and that's to hear that God loves you. And what maybe you've thought, it's not been right. He's not mad at you. He's not offended at you. He loves you. He loves you. See, Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave to turn his opponents into his family. See, that was the good fight. The good fight isn't one simply where I win. The good fight was one from God's perspective where everyone wins. He went to the cross so that we could all win so that he could turn us from opponents into family. 1 Corinthians 2.8 says, none of the rulers of this age understood it. The, the, what the devil did not get it. He thought he was winning. He thought Friday was a victory. He had no idea that Sunday was rolling up. Had no idea that all of a sudden the tide was gonna shift. Says, because had they understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If the enemy had understood that the nails that were being driven into the hands and feet of Jesus were being nailed into the coffin of the hold of the enemy. That's what those nails were. They weren't killing Jesus. They were killing the, what the, the hold that sin and death and hell had over us. That was what was dying that day because death could not hold life itself. John 10, 8, 10, 18 says, no one, Jesus says this, no one takes it from me, but I lay down my, of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. See, Jesus wasn't up there taking one on the chin and just taking a fall there in that battle. Jesus was undoing the fall. He wasn't taking a fall. He was undoing the fall. The fall that created back in in Genesis 2. The fall that unwound everything and and what we see rolled out in Genesis 3. Everything that happened there that, that took humanity from being God's friend and connection and God's, uh, God's partner in, the, in this world, all of a sudden, the fall completely took that away. And Jesus came to reinstate it and bring back God's original design. Revelation 1.18 says this, that Jesus says, I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and to Hades. First John 3, 1 says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. That the love of God was to not make us his servant. That would have been pretty awesome. For those of us who had just done our own thing, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us so that we could then serve God. I would have called that a good deal. But God said, that's not a good enough deal. I didn't sit there and turn you from being slaves to sin into being servants of me. He says, no, I don't want servants, I want family. I want children. 
I want people to be a part of this. That is what he was about. See, the prize of the cross and the resurrection is peace. What Jesus was winning was peace. There was already a war. There was already tension. He wasn't there trying to to start a place of war. He was trying to bring about, and he did accomplish bringing about a place of peace. In fact, from the very first moment, Jesus steps into humanity as he is breathing his first breath after being born there in the manger. The angels show up and they declare this in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to whom his favor rests. Jesus showing up on the scene, God in the flesh showing up on the scene was not God saying, man, y'all done made me come down there. Y'all done made me show up. That was not it. He's like, I love you so much, I can't stay away. I love you so much. It wasn't him showing up as a declaration of war. It was a declaration of peace. When Jesus showed up, the angel said, peace on earth on whom God's favor rests. It wasn't his last sign of his annoyance. It was the sign that he, we were favored by him. That is what this has been about, what Jesus has been about from birth to death and resurrection. It has been about peace all the way through. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19 says, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. See, this is one of those things that you and I in our Western form of in Western justice system, um, we have a hard time with the way all of this rolled out from a justice aspect. Um, Because we understand that the scriptures tell us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ. But the wages of sin is death. And, you know, you've grown up in church, or maybe maybe you're new, and so I'll kind of fill you in on how this works. But sin is to miss the mark, is to not live the life that God's called us to live. And the wages of sin is death. Now, in our Western justice system, we do have this place that, yeah, death, death is a a place of of justice. It's, It's a punishment. But man, that death is reserved. Death is reserved for the for the worst of the worst. That that's where it goes. But but we can start out with like a fine. Or we can start out with a warning. I like the warnings. Those are nice every once in a while. See the red and blues because you weren't paying attention to the speedometer and you're like, warning, please, Lord, warning. My insurance wants me to get a warning. And, you know, you go from a warning to a fine to, you know, maybe a trip downtown or now it's like out of the county, but uh, it used to be downtown. And so on. So now you have this, you know, this, you know, night in jail, and then you go before the judge, and then maybe, you know, you have these different things, and, you know, the little stuff, you know, it's bad. We don't want it. It's not good for society, but, you know, it's a small 
punishment, you know? And so, but the bad stuff, no, 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 no. There's, there's stuff that we got to have some really, really significant punishment. And we see that, and you know what? In dealing with one another, there's just not another way to do it. There's just not another way to do it because, you know, the, we'd, just, we'd all be dead. And so it's just, we'd, we've all messed up. But from, from God's eternal perspective, one of the most gracious things he's ever done, what sounds harsh, what sounds harsh is the grace of God. Because we think of the, kind of the most atrocious human offenders in history, and we know we go to like a Hitler, which is atrocious. And we go, okay, I get it. Death and hell, yes, hell can't be hot enough for Hitler. And so we're like, okay, yes. But then we slide down the human scale down to like a Mother Teresa who gave her life for the poorest of the poor, the people most suffering in Calcutta, India. And that Mother Teresa that, yeah, maybe she had, you know, she didn't, she had an off day and fibbed a little or did something. And, but her, her sin, the wages is death. And of course, Hitler, yeah, for sure. But hers, shouldn't there be something? That just doesn't seem fair. That she, she has death and hell is the same for her as it is for him. That just doesn't sit well with us. Doesn't sit well with us for our idea of justice. But here's the grace. Here's the grace. It's because sin, no matter what it is in our perspective, the penalty is the same. It's death. So let's take and let's think about that if all whatever I did yesterday, the day before, when I was 15, when I was five, when I was four years old, beating up a little kid, all that, that all of those things, that, that requires death. It's not added. It's not, okay, you get three years, you get some purgatory here, you get that, you get that, and then finally you work your sentence off. No, it's just death. And so, and then Pastor Mauricio, let's take that all of a sudden that his sin has to be dealt with too. It doesn't add to the stack. It's not adding on another three years, another five years, another this still here. It's just death. It's covered. So now one death would cover if one person did both things that me and Pastor Mauricio did. The one death, it covers it. Well, what if everybody in this section of the room, all was all done, all the violations, all the hurt, all the pain was all done by one person? The punishment would be death. What if it was the whole room? What if it was all of San Angelo? What if it was the world? See, that is what the beautiful grace of God, because here then he sends his son who lives sinlessly, sinlessly, and does death. And had Jesus done one, that death would have counted for that one. But because Jesus did none, there's a death paid, and it's an open tab. 
So guess what? Brandon Clark can go, you know what? Jesus, I count that death for me. Okay? Pastor Mauricio goes, yeah, I count Jesus' death for me too. Okay. All of us can go, you know what? I count Jesus' death for me. And it is paid. It is right. It is just. It is fully done. No matter what is done, all sin, back all sin, forward, if it had been done by one person, the wages of that would be death. And so, therefore, one sinless person can do a death that for, for on behalf of all of us, and we all have righteousness and forgiveness. The penalty has been paid. The penalty has been paid. It's done. It is done. And so it's like, well, does that mean we can just go on sinning? No, no. Just because if, if all of a sudden, if you didn't feel and all of a sudden you had an accident and you accidentally cut off your little toe and it didn't hurt, did you go, oh, wow, that's amazing. I'm going to cut off the next one. Didn't hurt at all. No, you're pretty soon not going to be able to walk. It's not going to work. No, it's foolishness. It's foolishness. No, we want to walk in newness of life. God taking care of it didn't put us in a place where all of a sudden now we can do whatever we want. Now we can step into whatever he's called us to, and we don't have to worry about missing the mark on the way. Guess what? Brandon Clark follows God imperfectly. There are things as I am trying to be a pastor that God's go, ooh, that's accounted to Jesus. Woo. Yeah, he was not as patient with that person as he needed to be. He was not as on the ball as he needed to be. And so as he, God is following me around as I'm following him, throwing it on Jesus' account. I don't even know it. I don't even know half the time I blow it. You don't either. You don't either. You have no idea how much grace you're getting. We won't know till that day. And we're like, oh, my goodness, that, that was my mess up? I thought I did it pretty good that day. But God's love covers. His, his love covers us. And that is the beauty of the cross. See, the truth is the fight has been won. And we must simply allow his complete victory to be made complete in us. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21 says this, that once... You were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. How can we be free from accusation? Because Jesus paid it all. There's no accusation hanging out undealt with. He's paid it all. And so guess what? The only place you can remain an enemy to God is what the scripture says, in your mind. You can remain an enemy to God in your mind. You cannot understand the fullness of your forgiveness. You cannot understand how much he loves you and think you're at odds with God. The whole time, he's cool with you. So that's why we need to have our minds renewed and our, our souls restored. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
He is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. See, the truth is, is Jesus fought through every barrier to our relationship with God, but one. And the one is your decision. That last barrier, it's your decision. Are you going to receive the love and the grace that he's given? He can't make that one for you. You cease to be an autonomous being made in his image if he makes your decisions for you. The thing is, is he has cleared the path. He has cleared the way. And the last obstacle to get in the way to us having living in the reconciliation that God has is us simply receiving it. Us simply receiving it. That, that is where this ends. In Revelations 3.20, Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and, and he with me. The message of the cross and the message of the resurrection is found in our bottom line this morning that God's fight is not with you. It's for you. This fight's not with you. If you're here this morning and you're feeling at odds with God, I'm telling you, the tension is not from him. He loves you and he's for you. And the message that the Holy Spirit is, is just crying out this morning, is just receive the love and forgiveness that's so freely yours in Christ. Receive it. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.